0: Nine eight seven six five four three two one
1: What's up y'all? It's your girl Lady Miz and you are tuned in to From the Ground Up Productions and today we are interviewing the legendary DJ clientele from the West Side. So stay tuned and keep us alive.
0: the ground up productions sponsorship and other opportunities are available from the ground up productions turning nothing into something there's only one way to go from here and now here are your hosts lady Miz and ray
1: yeah yeah y'all what's good we are back in full effect happy monday it's your girl lady Miz, and my co-host <laughs> Yo, you normally say, you, he normally say, you, you know, like, what's up, you y'all? Say, I wait um, for you to it, say my name. It's your girl, Lady Biz, <laughs> and my co-host, Ray, and you are tuned in to From the Ground Up Productions, and there is only one way to go from here. My boy over here got to be on cue. I don't know what's up with him today, but it's all good, though. Anyway, guys, I'm super excited. Today, we have a legend from the West Coast, y'all. In the building, well, not technically, because y'all know we social distancing, but we got DJ Clientel, y'all. So let's give it up and bring him on real quick. All right, all right. Welcome to the show, brother. Today we have DJ Clientel from the West Side. How you doing, brother?
2: What up, what
0: up? How you doing? All right. Chilling, chilling. How you?
1: All right, all right. That's great. That's great. So listen, I'm glad we got things working and going here. Um, Let's let's first jump into. I want people to know a little bit about you and your history. So can you tell the people who don't know you a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure, absolutely. So um, I actually started out with a group um, with a guy by the name of DJ Joe Cooley. Uh, We had we had a a DJ crew back in the day in the in the '80s uh, called the Invasion Force. You know, kind of copied off of, uh, of course, Soul Sonic Force. You know, we're from the West Coast and from the East Coast. As a matter of fact, I hit up uh, Mr. Big one day. He's a real good friend of mine. And I told him the story. I said, hey, man, you know, we, we when we were back in the day, we were kids. We started this group, man. We called it the Invasion Force because we wanted to be like Soul Sonic Force so bad. He just started chuckling and laughing. But he was honored at that. So we started out with that DJ crew back in high school, going around, you know, getting little git, um, parties, backyard boogies, whatever we can get. And um, you know we started to build a reputation, and then afterwards, um, I joined the, the world class wrecking crew. Um, okay. I won contests, and and you know the rest is history with that. That's with Dr. Dre and DJ Yella and, and Lonzo, all pre NWA. You know, a few years before uh, oh. they came out and they formed and formed NWA. So yeah, that's okay. where I started.
1: Okay, okay. So you're saying when you joined the Wrecking Crew, that was pre, that was before NWA.
2: Yeah, um, because initially the Wrecking Crew was a, a DJ crew, just that. That's and cool. uh, when I joined the crew, Lonzo had been looking for a, a rap artist. So he was holding a series of contests uh, over a series of weeks. And a friend of mine encouraged me to get into the contest because we would go up there to watch DJ Yella do his thing. Okay. And so Lonzo had announced, hey man, next week we're going to have this $100 you know, rap contest. You know, bring your best rhyme skills, come on through. So me and a friend of mine named McKinley, we worked on a routine all that week. And so that that day of the contest, he called me and said, Man, I, I can't make it. You know, you you're gonna have to uh just do one of those routines you do with Joe Cooley. So I was a little disappointed, but I still went and uh got in the contest and I won. Oh
1: and nice, okay. Big ups to you.
2: Hey it was, it was eight mile moments, you know, that type of thing. Yes. Alonzo so, so asked me, he called me in. Uh he said, hey man, come on back on Wednesday. I want to talk to you uh about joining the, the crew. I said, Well, I'm already in a crew, but that's kinda cool, but this dude still ain't paid me my money yet. So let me go on Wednesday <laughs> and go get my money.
1: He said, Yo, you better get up the you better give up the cash. We ain't trying to hear that. I hear you.
2: <laughs> exactly. So so then um I went up there. And I saw the skinny kid, you know, on the turntables, I guess he was practicing or mixing or whatever. Okay. And I recognized him from junior high school and that was Dr. Dre. So I said, well, if he's in it, then it's probably something cool because we were friends back in junior high school. So I said, yeah, then I'm gonna go ahead on and talk to my other guys and my other crew because we were mainly a DJ crew, but Lonzo was asking me to make records, which was a whole different, you know, whole different level. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm down with this.
1: Okay. All right. So. Let me so you was a DJ crew and they asked you to start making records uh, that transition. Did you was it like, OK, I'm doing one or the other or I'm going to do both. How did that work well, for you?
2: Well, it was it was kind of like um, I was the, the like the hype guy and the rap artist for our original DJ crew, the Invasion Force. Okay. So, so when I joined the Wrecking crew. I joined as a rap artist but then lonzo later found out that i was an actual dj which was an added bonus like oh we got a rap artist and he's a dj too so oh, that uh, yeah so that's that's how that went down
1: okay all right so i i like that you know you have many skills and you're not just a hip-hop artist you're also a dj but you're also an educator and you're also an author right yes Okay so let's let's go into you know the history of that um when did you write your first book
2: So I actually wrote uh it's funny you asked that question um some years ago I wrote a children's book Oh really uh, well, yeah it's called The Speaks and it's available on Amazon uh, and stuff like that and it was really all about these these distinctive little characters who had sort of like their own you know personal uh kind of they had their own personalities
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and what I did was I wrote psych like, like a rap or a poem about each character and then oh, each character so- was, was illustrated yeah and uh, but my first book which is uh my autobiography uh that we released that uh, uh, a couple of years ago now about a year and a half ago you know it's called uh you know dj clientele actually it's right here um uh, Is it right here?
1: Hold it up for us. Yes, let us see that. Absolutely. Yes, actually I did see that. Yes, yes, yes. So let me ask you real quick. Let let's go back real quick to the children's book. What was the name that you say of that book? And is that available still too?
2: Yeah, it was it was really meant to kind of uh address kids who sort of were loner types, you know, and, and kind of had uh their own distinctive personalities where people may Get them wrong or or misunderstand them you know so i kind of made i wanted to make the book to kind of give them some confidence you know in themselves and let them know that even though they're unique they're special so that's that's what that was about
1: that's really good now what is the name of it? well the, the question was what is the name of that book and is it still available for people to get
2: yeah it's called the speaks and you can get it on uh it's available on amazon you can buy it there purchase it there and it's actually too um i believe it's still in um animated form where like you can go buy it electronically and you can flip through the pages and stuff like that
1: from there oh nice nice yeah i mean listen i know that might have been um you know a a while back but those books are still very much needed, especially for kids today. So, you know, I hear it it building confidence and also it sounds like it's very relatable to a lot of kids too. So this, that definitely... um,
0: Yeah, I was about to ask that. What made you decide to write a book like that for kids?
2: You know, uh, well, um, I'm an educator, you know, as well as as being a hip hop artist and and producer and, and rapper um i've I've been an educator now for what 20 25 years um and i worked at every level and i actually hold a a clear level clear you know level two california teaching credential and uh in addition to you know the master's degree in education and stuff like that and it's always been something near and dear to my heart what happened was uh while i was still with the wrecking crew and in college a teacher had approached me about working on a project with her, and I, initially I, I never had really thought about using sort of like the medium of rap to teach. Okay. But when she approached me about that project. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. You know. And so we, we kind of put together this a series of sort of learning um, pieces to help teach reading, you know, to to kids. And later on, I found out that she was actually using it also. To, to teach adults, so that wow. was fun
1: to,
2: to, to know that you know that that work yes put into that form. So, um, that that inspired me, you know, to to be an educator, you know, to, to to help teach as well. Because I mean, through the medium of rap, I always thought that we could disseminate information, right? And that's Absolutely. when we, we talked about a lot with Wrecking Crew, particularly when when Ice Cube came along later on, and and uh, I was a mentor of his. And so that was just something that, you know, it just kind of naturally, I kind of fell into it naturally.
0: So, so you know, it, and it's, it's good, to, you know, seeing black male teachers, cause we don't see a lot of those in our community, you know, it's normally not. And not
1: well, I not, guess it all depends on what community. Well,
0: in, in the black community, it's not too many. You, it's most of the times it's, you, you, we don't see our kind teaching us or our, our people teaching us, Put it. let me put it like that. And they know yeah. how to unfortunate.
2: teach us that's unfortunate because I believe kids need to see us and identify with people like them, uh, to, to, to have a level of engagement and trust and, um, just, just a level of comfort, you know, knowing that there are people who grew up like them came from some of the similar places that they came from and, um, are in a, in, in a position that they are in, you know, in a professional, uh, teaching position or, professional position to where they go wow if if he or she can do it then i can do it too
1: absolutely absolutely so let me ask you this you said that you were a mentor of of ice cube yeah how did that come about and what was that like
2: oh man funny story so uh sir Jinx is dre's cousin dr dre's cousin okay back in the day people you know this generation may not know that instead of having one laptop and maybe a couple of Bluetooth speakers attached to, to <laughs> Rock a Party, uh, you had to bring crates of records, you had to bring right. you know, speakers and, and faders and crossovers and mixers and EQs and all kinds of stuff, turntables, and the stuff was heavy. Yeah, That's it was right. work before the work. It required uh, a, a group of people, you know, almost like moving each time, moving you know from a house or moving in and out of a house so we had uh you know we had a lot of people around us in our crew not just the four guys you see on album covers and stuff like that wrecking crew consisted of a big group of of folks and sir jinx was a part of that group and so he would always be you know bothering us about this little you know crew they had it was still in like you know junior high school whatever man y'all gotta come check us out y'all gotta come check us out so um finally one day i think it was a birthday party may have been ice cubes and uh, he convinced me and Dre to go to this birthday party, not realizing that it was a setup. So we went over there, they had the turntable set up, they had the microphone set up and all of that. Jinx immediately jumped on the turntables and this, you know, this kid with a jerry curl jumped on the microphone, and this other other skinny kid jumped on another mic and they started performing.
1: Okay. And, yeah,
2: and so what I noticed was the kid with the jerry curl uh he had some fire he was he was he was doing his thing man and and uh so I pulled Dre to the side and I say man you know we got to work with these kids you know they, they, they got something here you know let's let's do something with them and Dre was like nah man we ain't got time for that we ain't got time for that so finally I convinced him and we pulled him into our little uh demo studio and we started working with him and cutting stuff with him and I started working with Ice Cube on on you know how to how to rap how to rhyme how to put you know, lyrics together, um, how to, what was the etiquette in the studio? Uh, what, what, What's important about, you know, technique and emphasizing, you know, things like that. And then I started working with them on their stage performances as well. So that's, that's how I became a, a mentor when, when he became a part of the, the Wrecking Crew family.
1: That's nice. So you already had that teacher skill in you from the beginning, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm yeah. talking about.
2: Yeah. And I think it comes from, you know, growing up, being the eldest of five, bro, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, trying to help moms, you know, keep the siblings in line. So that's yeah, that it kind of came from
0: that. Was Ice Cube Ice. easy to mentor?
2: Yeah, very. He was he was um, first of all, he was already talented, you know, beyond measure. And and I knew that and I, I could tell from the beginning. You could tell when 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 people are going to you know be be, be successful he was so enthusiastic, um, so eager to learn. He soaked everything up like a sponge. Yeah. And he was really intelligent, smart dude, you know. And so he reminded me a lot of me. That's like was like, yeah, we gotta work with these kids. Um so um, yeah, you yeah, you could tell from jump that he was uh he was easy to work with.
1: Big shout out to Ice Cube. You know, That's what I'm talking about. He's definitely doing his thing, and um, like he's definitely a leader in the community and with the people. Uh, we we just love how they brought hip hop to another level with standing up for our people. And we we're on the East Coast, so we had we had our, um. Public, boogie enemies. public enemies yeah, yeah. and boogie down productions and stuff, and then we had our NWAs on the other side, so it don't matter because we all in the same gang, right? <laughs> it don't even matter, you know what I mean? But we all going through the same thing just in different areas. But it was nice to just have all of the people, uh, well, all the different artists that were speaking up for us through music. That's what I really love about that, you know.
2: You know, it's, it's cool you say that, too, because um, what a lot of people don't realize is early uh, 80s hip hop, particularly East Coast, West Coast, um, there was there's a strong connection. You know, in fact, the guys from uh, who used to work with Sylvia Robinson, Duffy Hooks and Cletus Anderson, who came from New York, they came out here and started the rapper's rap label, which started employing a lot of West Coast hip hop artists like uh, Disco Daddy and, and uh, you know, um, uh, MC uh, Frosty and Love and C and, and those cats, and then, heck, uh, uh, Davy D showed DJ Yella how to scratch. You know when oh, wow. came out here to do to, to do gigs and stuff. In fact, Roger Clayton, um, who was the founder of Uncle Jam's Army, introduced Lear Cohen to Russell Simmons. So there's so many, yeah, there's so many connections, East Coast, West Coast, that, that it's it's astounding. The first, one of the first DJs to scratch on the West Coast, uh, Mixed Master Spade, used to go to school. He he attended junior high school in New York, learned from the cats in New York, came back to the West Coast, and disseminated, you know, mixtapes to us, and us DJs learned how to, you know, to mix from that. So there's so many connections, East Coast, West Coast. We all one family, like you say, man. Right. That's
1: right, that's right. So let me add you this. So Talk to me. Okay, you a DJ, right? So now, you know, times are very different with how people DJ. Like you said before, you had to have the crates and all of that stuff. You walking in. It was totally, totally different. Now the way DJs is you just go kind of go online. It almost seems like anybody could kind of do it in in today's time, right? So you as somebody that's that's a veteran in this game. Talk to me about how you feel about how technology has changed uh, the way people DJ. You
2: know, so it, it, um, I have two opinions about that. Uh, okay. One, obviously, I'm all about, you know, creating an egalitarian society, right? Mm-hmm. And and sort of making sure that, you know, the barriers, the entry are broken down. People have access, you know, to, to the technology, to the information and, to, you know, to enhance society as a whole. However, it is also important, equally as important, for us to hone our craft, to learn the craft, respect the craft, know the history, understand it, appreciate it, because um, it's it's not just about, you know, the money. It's also about the art. And um, I think when people respect the art and understand the art and what it has meant to those who created it or developed it or enhanced it, then it makes your experience that much greater. So I encourage anyone who wants to get into entertainment or DJ or production or rap or whatever it is, to really you know hone the craft, learn the history, understand the art form as it is, and you can be a greater contributor to the art form, as opposed to just being a uh, um, someone who is only using it as a tool to kind of uh, profit. So um, that that's that's kind of like my take on it, and. Okay. Uh, Because I've worked with, you know, um, folks who created innovative sort of machinery, you know, in in the art form to enhance it, because we got a lot of blowback even in the beginning as DJs when we were, you know, sampling or scratching, you know, using certain records and, you know, musicians and, and, and artists were like, yo, they're not real musicians. They don't, you know, they don't play any instruments. They're just, you know, taking our stuff and repurposing it. But the reality of it was is that you had to have an ear first to to even find those those gems and pieces and and, and sections of music to utilize and yeah. then secondly um you know a lot of us are musicians i'm a musician you know i'm coming from a family of musicians so i took offense to that but um in, in the end i think it all worked out because then uh you know jazz musicians and blues musicians start to realize and understand, oh, okay, these guys are actually reintroducing my music to a whole new generation.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and
2: all- who would never have even considered it, you know, in the beginning. So I, I think it all worked out in the end and it kind of all balanced out.
0: Yeah, you also you also helped them in the end make money because of, yes. of a copyright, you know. That's right. A lot of them. That's right that's right
1: absolutely uh-huh. absolutely and that's a good point i'm glad you broke it down like that um because you know a lot of people say well you know that they look at these these cats they on here they just got the little laptop and you know they djing and they don't they, they don't even really know how to scratch you know it's a lot of different things because when you think about how when like you said when it, you're creating a different culture in a way right it's still the same but it's like the culture really understanding how this all really came about the reason why people love it and want to do it today is because of what somebody else did before them you know what i mean so yeah you're
2: building, you're building on that foundation you know first you create absolutely the foundation and then as and, and as long as the foundation is strong then you're going to build on that foundation um i, I embrace technology i embrace the future i embrace things that happen that are innovative and new so and, and I encourage, you know, my my fellow DJs who who came up with me who can tell those, you know, eight mile in the store in the snow stories and stuff like that mm-hmm. to to not necessarily discourage the, the button pushers and and, you know, the folks like that, but to encourage them to understand what we went through so that they can have a better appreciation for what they do now.
1: Mm absolutely that's good absolutely i gotta give you some claps for that <laughs> for sure that's good that's good information good knowledge and um a good message for the people uh for djs that's coming up now because again that that and what that does is what do they call it bridging the gap right
2: bridging the gap
1: absolutely now no, is, i
2: mean it's it's gonna happen They're, you know things are gonna change change is the only constant, right so is going to happen so uh you either embrace it or uh you know you you get left behind
0: yeah, Absolutely. eventually the DJs of today will be considered older their their technology will be considered all the way they're doing it now you know so uh,
2: exactly they'll be talking you know 20 years ago I used to' right. you know, <laughs> you know, you just gotta like think of a song or think of a mix and it happens you know who knows man <laughs>
1: <laughs> times be changing but yes you do got to embrace change um now let's get back to your other book that you sure. wrote that you just pulled up there so talk to us about um that book the name of it where you can get it and what it's about
2: sure so it's um dj clientele the autobiography essays and writings of a modern day renaissance man and you know it, yeah, it's that second half sounds a little you know uh self-centered but i'm really not but i i I was inspired actually to write it from a conversation i had with ice cube on the set of straight out of compton you know i kind of had some stories and ideas in the back of my mind but i came to him and i said hey man you know i want to thank you for you know you and dre for putting this movie together because i think it's really great that that it's time that you know people kind of see what's going on on the west coast and okay. he said, you know, man, you know, I'm really doing this because I want to open the door for other people to tell their stories too. And that little light went on in my head, like ding, ah, there you go. I need to go ahead on and, and sit down and, and uh, write this book. So I wanted to do that. I wanted to set the historical record straight. I wanted to make sure that any gaps in the history or any gaps or in, in the story were sort of filled in, at least from my perspective, because, you know, Straight Out of Compton is a cool movie, and I'm glad they did it. But there was, an, there was at least an eight to 10 year history that happened even before that, like some of the stories I'm telling you now about, you know, uh, Ice Cube and the Wrecking Crew and the origins and stuff. Right. So that part couldn't get in there because obviously you can only tell so much of a story in two and a half hours. There's a lot, a lot of history, of you know, 30, 35 years of, of history. So. Um, it was important for me anyway, personally, to kind of set that historical record straight and, and be able to give people who wanted to go deeper into the story. I wanted to make sure that, um, those gaps were filled in and, and we told the whole story and made sure that, you know, we gave people who wanted to go deeper into the story, uh, the information. So that's, that's, that was why I was inspired to really do it. Okay. And, um, you know, it's, it's worked out really well. And it's been well received in terms of uh, the story itself. People were congratulating me, and a lot of folks were like, well, "Okay, well, when are we gonna see that movie?" I'm like, "Oh, hold on." <laughs> but, but you know, I, I have been approached by a couple of production companies, you know, uh, about the idea of actually doing turning the book, you know, into a feature. Alonzo uh, also has a story uh, that he's telling with his book, uh, not without Alonzo and so when you start to sort of compare these notes and put these things together you get a really rich and full sort of perspective on west coast hip-hop the 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 most dynamic groups that sort of rose above because there's a lot of groups and we we encourage each other through friendly competition well sometimes not so friendly but mostly friendly competition
1: okay And,
2: and and it sort of helped for us all to be better as business people, as professionals, you know, as artists. Nice,
0: Now, Were you a part of the Straight Outta Compton? Did you have any involvement in Straight Outta Compton?
2: Um, Other than, well, from a cursory view, yes. Uh, When they were putting together sort of like the research and um, they were approaching, you know, some folks about what was where was this location and why and who did what where and stuff like that so we were involved um in the, on that level of helping them sort of put together the research and sort of tell that story because obviously you know, you know there are gaps in memory and, and right don't always remember everything so um i know that Yella had been approached i had been approached you know um to uh, sort of help fill in some of those gaps other than you know, the interviews and documentary stuff that people had already seen.
1: Okay. Okay. So how, your book is pretty much um, giving the history before Straight Outta Compton, right? And filling in, like you said, those gaps. How, you know, people have, you know, memory issues, right, in today's time. How did you remember, like, all of that stuff? Like, do you keep certain, like, notes, records, um, or videotapes or certain things how did you remember everything to be able to write that
2: you know i i used to keep a diary uh, a long oh. time ago, until dj unknown told me man don't don't write stuff down man don't do that but
1: <laughs> why not
2: <laughs> but you know um you could like when you're creating songs and you're creating art you can sort of remember where you were when you did it, mm. and you, did it you know sort of thing so a lot of times the music for me was a record uh what i did and then you put that together with you know pictures and and other photos and images and uh uh, articles so it's it's not that difficult to sort of recall you know certain stories but i would say that writing the book and my advice with anyone who's going to write a book it, it it takes consistency it takes a sense of um you know purpose to say no matter what you know, at this particular time, or this particular day, I'm going to sit down and do this for this certain amount of time. So it, you have to be consistent, disciplined to to get it done, because uh, I know there are a lot of people who have stories to tell and they want to write a book. But uh, they either, you know, make excuses like, well, I don't have the time or I'm too busy on my work or whatever it is. But I would say it's just like, you know, if you do push ups every day or sit ups every day, take a moment to just do something to to to. To do even a little bit of it, even if it's writing down notes to something, and I mean we have so much technology available to to us today, you know, uh, our phones and everything, you could literally uh, use that or utilize that as sort of like your your you know, personal sex, to you know, put down or jot down or just speak a lot of notes into it, and then sit down and put it together. So it was a it was a um, an exercise in in discipline for me, plus man reliving a lot of the stuff and recalling stuff in your head you you'll be surprised you know the emotional effect that it has on you and one of the other things that i was able to do was travel to some of the different places to kind of to jog my memory as well the housing project that we grew up in um the uh some of the the, the halls that we performed at and, and, and the dance spots some of them not even there anymore but just going to those locations Help, us kind of, uh, you know, help us with remember. it. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because I know, you know, I, I guess yeah, I can understand. As when I was writing my first book, um, it's like reliving those moments all over again, and then you start to remember. So I, t- I totally get it. Um, I didn't have a diary. I guess my book was my diary. But so what'd you do with that diary? Did you get rid of it? Did it have some deep, dark secrets in there? <laughs> you
2: know, um, I still have it around. Oh, you do?
1: Okay, oh, so yeah. that's like the golden, okay, that's like the black book then.
2: <laughs> Somewhere, you know, maybe in a safe, who knows? <laughs> maybe I'll bury it in a in a like a, like a uh, time capsule.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Right. You yeah. never know. Yeah, I you want that falling
2: into the wrong hands. <laughs>
1: well, uh-huh. we don't know that. So let me ask you this. When as a DJ, you're going around, you know, you're going to different places, you're touring. What is the craziest story that you could remember uh, when you were doing all of that? What what is like the wildest story that make you say, oh, my God, I can't believe like I, I did that or, or I've been through this or I was there.
2: Yeah, well, OK, so he's going to be mad at me for telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, so we we started touring, and we were in California. We had this gig we had to do in, I believe it was Stockton, California. OK. And so we did the show. We performed me, Gray, Yellow, Alonzo, uh, and, and whatnot. Um, and we went back to the hotel. Well, um, a few young ladies followed us back to the hotel and uh, one one of the young ladies uh, followed P.J. Yellow back. And so, you know, he, he um, yeah, so anyway. Wait,
1: <laughs> wait, 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 there was too much of a pause there. I feel like you gotta fill in the blanks.
2: <laughs> I don't know if this is PG or not, but anyway. Um, it's
1: not pg we give it to a roller from the ground up. Let's,
2: it's okay he had relations with the with the young lady but then all of a sudden we start hearing stories that the the uh the uh, sheriffs were, were on the way uh to, uh, oh. to and so we like what the hell is going on so we hurried up and gathered all our stuff together you know and 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 you know packed our suitcases and and, and uh jumped in the uh jumped in the van and uh got on the of there so come to find out later that the young lady that yellow was with was the sheriff's daughter. And <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, Lord, no, not the sheriff. You know we got a duck now. <laughs> and oh, my goodness.
2: Man, we just in the nick of time, boy, because he was he sure wanted to talk to us, man. And ah, luckily, man. I think it was one of the security guards or somebody from the club that tipped us off. And uh, yeah, we we got to hear Capone out of there, man. But yeah, it's just stuff like that that, that went down. The
1: sheriff's uh-huh. daughter, okay.
0: <laughs> Have you ever had any stor with any time where you felt like you know what, this is not what I want to do anymore?
2: Never. You know what? That's that, that's a great question, man. Yeah. Um, because I've always been so passionate about you know performing and art and 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 just you know, um, making. Art for art's sake, and, and helping, hopefully, you know, have people feel a certain way. That I've never, I've, like, I've never wavered on that, and uh, because I think for me, it, it's about the connection, you know, that you get with folks, because I, I just believe that um, there's there's a level of good in in all of us, and you can reach people and and affect them in ways um, if you're doing something positive, you know, if you're doing something that that, that, that they can relate to you know i mean, it may not always have to be positive it'd be just something they can relate to you know oh, where yeah. so so it's it, that's why i've never really wavered on that and you know growing up you know me and, and my cousins we used to when we went to our grandmother's house every weekend we would uh go in a room and, and practice like a, a routine for one of our favorite groups and we come out and we perform it, you know, in front of the family. So it was just that type of thing. You know how black folk, you know. Yes, yeah, you know. yes,
1: of course.
2: <laughs> but that just that was always in me. And um, I had actually started out as as an actor, you know, doing plays and stuff like that. So the stage was sort of like second nature to me. And that's why when when I joined Wrecking Crew, we we did incorporate a lot of sort of theater elements into what we were doing. So, our stage shows had sort of like this kind of theatrical uh, sort of uh, um, perspective to it.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. That sounds really, really dope. Um, let me ask you now is what, when it comes to like uh, the members of NWA, Ice Cube, Dr. J, do you still have a great relationship with them now to this day? Yeah,
2: those, yeah, those are my brothers. Um, and, and I'm so so happy for them and so proud of what they've been able to accomplish you know the the progress that they've made because i know them personally right, right. um there's a there's a public persona that a lot of people see and, and and speculate on and talk about but when you know someone personally you know truly where their heart is and you know truly what they're what they're about for real for real then yes. it just enhances the the seeing the success and, and seeing, you know, what they've been able to accomplish. I mean, it's no secret. I was asked to join NWA back in the day. E was trying his best to recruit me and get me involved in that and, and everything they were doing. But at the time I was in college, I knew that professors in the, the African studies department would not uh, tolerate me, you know, out there while and out like that. And uh, so there was a certain level of of, uh, of image and respect that I had to project even then so. So I turned him down initially at that time, but it, but right before he passed away, we actually did start working together, uh, but it was going to be under my terms, right? Uh, but, it, you know, the thing that happened to me, you know, so, but, but yeah, I've yeah. been asked to, to, to join the group and, uh, you know, decline. But um, again, like I said, I'm I'm proud of their success and and happy for them and uh, yeah, just you know to this day, you know when we see each other out and about, it's all love, it's all good. I mean, you know, we don't call each other every, every day and say, hey man, guess what my daughter did today, anything like that. Right. But, but there is there's absolutely nothing but um, you know love and, and positivity, you know, with those guys. All. Okay.
1: That's what's up. All right, so let me ask you this. It's it's do you listen do you listen to the radio now or do you feel that music have changed? And if you do, tell me what you think changed about it and how you feel about the music industry. So that's kind of like three questions in one. <laughs>
2: oh, good, good question, man. So, uh, yes, I still do listen to the radio. I mean, okay. for reasons. One as as a DJ, I always want to keep, you know, keep up on, you know, the latest trends. Uh, what what people are into, you know, what the current sort of, you know, generation is, is into, whether I like it or not is, is irrelevant. You know, as a DJ, it's my job to to play the music that the people got to give the people what they want. Um, now, in terms of how I look at the industry today, um, in my talks and lectures and when I teach, talk to students, I always tell them that we have to distinguish between the rap industry and hip hop culture even though hip hop culture is sort of the broad umbrella, rap, the rap industry, rap music is within that umbrella. But rap, the rap industry is profit driven. There's a profit motive involved in that. Many, many different iterations of rap, we all have our own sort of, you know, era that we, that we appreciate more uh, so than other eras of music, you know, the golden age and, and, you know, trap music, whatever it is, whatever your your sort of genre of music is that you love, that's what you love. However, understanding what the rap industry is, it's a profit driven industry. So, uh, folks are going to make the music that they think is going to drive the most people or most consumers to to, to their brand. And they're going to market it that way. Oh. However, and and that changes all the time, you know, every it's it's, it's almost like it cycles like through like the, the same way as like high school or something. I don't know, it's weird but hip hop culture is robust it's long lasting it's been here for 40 plus years it's not going anywhere anytime soon so we can be a part of hip hop culture but not necessarily appreciate the current trends in music but we can still love the music of of hip hop and that's that's really the way i sort of you know make the make the distinction because as a producer i look at it as okay well if i'm going to work with a particular artist you know What is that artist's style, and I have to sort of work with that artist, and, and you know, really operate with with their style in mind, and then sort of bring it into kind of like. Then, if I want to add other elements of kind of like what I, what I would do, then I do it there. But again, if if the incentive is to get it on the radio or get it to the biggest audience possible, then that's the perspective that that producer is going to approach it from. Versus, okay, I want to just be down for the culture and make music you know, that that it's appreciated by, you know, the hardcore hip hop heads. So, you you know, you gotta look at it that way.
1: So what's your favorite genre of music? And as a DJ, when you have to pick a song, do you base it strictly off of what you think the people want to hear or what you like personally?
2: Well, my my favorite genre is boom bap. Uh, I love boom bap, Uh, okay. eh,
1: That's what I'm talking about.
2: I'm a lyricist. Oh, I, I gotta I gotta have the lyrics, man. I gotta have you know, the man. the double entendres and and I gotta have, you know, the flipping and the flops and I gotta have, you know, the the, the double ups and I gotta have that clever sort of uh way of you know putting rhyme schemes together. You know, I, I appreciate that, you know, on a whole another level because to me that's 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 next level poetry. But, Absolutely. But when I when I pick, you know, my sets you know, the audience, audience. Doesn't determine, you know, those sets. I mean, there are some sets that are free form. you know, it's like, get it, I'm gonna play whatever I wanna play, you know, and if you like it, you don't like it too damn bad. But then there are other sets where, you know, you have to be aware, okay, what is the audience here that I'm speaking to? Because again, one th- the, the one thing you learn early on as a DJ, if you even about your salt, is how to read the crowd, you know, how to mm-hmm. figure out what they are into, what they're rocking to and what they're gonna, you know, you know, vibe out. So that's that's kind of like the way I, I approach that. But um yeah, yeah, good question, man.
1: And do you get your your energy and vibe? Does it come from how the crowd is? Like if the crowd is just like, do you feel like, oh God, I'm not really into this? Or do you feel like it's my job to really just make them move? Like where does your energy come from when you're DJing? I
2: mean, it depends, you know, I mean I'm yeah, all, I, I love music. Like, you know, music, I listen to everything. Mm-hmm. So from classical to Baroque to, you know, uh, you know, to the Scott Joplin and, and and you know, jazz and, of course, R&B and, and, and hip hop, you know, rock, country, everything. And, I, and, you know, I find elements of good in all of that. So I think as I expand sort of like my knowledge base of music, mm-hmm. that to be able to connect with the crowd, having sort of a, a wide base of knowledge of music and, you know, listening to everything.
1: Okay. okay, and do you have a certain top five? Like, this is my favorite top five artists that I listen to or like the best.
2: Wow, um, see, I'm gonna make somebody mad. If I, <laughs> you know, I know so many people, and and I, you know, I admire, uh, you know, so much music. So it's it's very difficult for me to say a top five in terms of of just in general. But I will say this. I have a a top five of uh, artists that I m- admire because one I know them personally, and two I consider myself friends of theirs, and three uh, I sort of uh, ad- admire their style. So, Melly Mill, uh, oh, okay. Mel, man, you know Kumo D, uh, right? Yeah, um, R- Run DMC has always been you know at, at the top of my list. You know, in terms of that. Um, on the, uh, you know, on the West coast, you know, man, I, I got a few, but I'm just going to go with my man Ice-T because again, I know him, you know, personally and, and then, uh, then I, I would say, um, Outcast. So that that's just like off the top of my dome. There's so many more. Yeah, yeah. Right. Time. I yeah. know that's
1: like a hard question because you gotta like you feel like you gotta pick, and then you then sometimes when it's over, you're like, "Done. I forgot this person, or I should have said this one."
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. leave somebody out, and they are gonna be mad. You're
1: yeah, like, "Hold up, you forgot about me? What you saying? I'm the top five, yeah. you know?"
2: <laughs> again, that's just off the top of the head. So you know, I'll yeah, yeah. It, tomorrow. But yeah, I, I was say. So.
1: So let me ask you this question, who you are today. Now, you always seem to have been a very intelligent, educated brother that was very, you know, skillful and um, smart and all across the board. What would you say now or what do you know now that you didn't know before that you would say to your younger self, like, I could have done it this way or I'm glad I did it this way?
2: You know, I I would... My, my mother and grandmother would always tell me that i had a whole soul and uh i didn't realize what that meant until later on in life because i was able to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that i saw other people sort of fall into a lot of the traps that they had fallen into based on the decisions that they had made but hey i listen man i was i was raised raised by some strong black women i mean they didn't tolerate no mess but at the same time if you, you know, stumbled and you know kind of kind of tripped a little bit they pick you back up dust you off boy you better get on back out there and make it happen yes. so so i appreciate that but you know i i would say to my younger self now just you know man you know stay the course believe in what you believe in you know uh, live your truth make the best of what you can don't you know don't don't try to um emulate or imitate anyone else you know find your lane and and stick to your lane because who you are is unique. You got value you have worth, and uh, nobody can take that away from you. And the one thing um, that I'm proud of that I was able to do is pursue an education because that is the one thing nobody can take away. You can take away your car, your house, your clothes, all this other kind of stuff. But the one thing that 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 is a value that no one can take away is an education. So if you are in a position. To do it, man, get an education, you know, and and uh, I, I encourage that. That's what I would tell my younger self.
1: Okay, all right. Now, speaking Great. of
0: education, um, I, I believe you said you're getting a PhD.
2: Yeah, I'm pursuing a PhD in education, and and uh, of course organizational leadership. So um, yeah, we're working on that. We have a um, a few more few more years to go, but uh, it's uh, it's coming along really well. Um, there's a lot of work involved, a heck of a lot of writing, not writing in terms of like raps and music, but, uh, a lot of research and a lot of writing in that area. It's a lot of, it's, it's, um, it's something that I wanted to do. I've always wanted to do for a while and, um, now have the opportunity to do it. And I was actually really inspired, not because of, you know, what happened with the pandemic and everybody being at home. I actually started before that. But what really kicked off for me was the death of of Kobe Bryant, and mm. uh, you know, listen, if you only live once, and uh, whatever your dreams are, whatever your life are, you know, don't hold back. Got to pursue them.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was. oh, I think that was the start of that whole year just going downhill. Like we just everybody felt that everywhere. Yeah, that uh, was it was. Oh, and it, we just had the anniversary just. Uh, recently
0: um,
1: of his death. So rest, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant and his daughter. You know, we got to remember his child too, you know, Um, a lot of times, of course, you know, everybody know Kobe Bryant, he had, he had his baby girl on there and there was other families and other lives that were also lost on that plane too. So rest in peace to everybody that lost their life on that plane. Um, what was I going to ask? Um, <laughs> I, had, I just totally went not because I started thinking of that. And that, that, that just like crushed me. oh, the pandemic. Um, you say you were writing before that, the pandemic. Has this pandemic affected you in any type of way? Rather, it was um, affecting you in a negative way or in a positive way? Did it, did it affect you where, like, it, it stopped you from being able to do things? Or did you find yourself, like, I have so much more time to be able to do it because I'm not distracted?
2: Yeah. Uh, um, Kendrick Lamar had, I think it was a line, he uh, quoting him. He said something about being an extroverted introvert. So <laughs> I, I think it, it turned a lot of us into introverts. But those of us who found ways or find ways to be creative, we sort of find those you know those nooks and crannies. It 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 probably gave me more time to focus and more time to just uh, um, you know make sure that the things I wanted to take care of that I was taking care of those things because you know when you're when you're working and you're out there and about you know doing your thing with people you get so busy you can be distracted and yes. some things can get neglected. But I think what if if you, we were to find if I was to find the silver lining. You know, in the cloud of this pandemic, is that it gave me an opportunity to sort of sit down and and really get some things done, get some things out of the way that I wanted to get out of the way. Now, other things came up because um, I found that during the pandemic, when once people discovered Zoom, uh, it it made you a whole lot more accessible. But you know, you just have to pick and choose your times, you know, to to do those kinds of things. But you're more in control of that. Than, than anything. The one thing I do miss mm-hmm. being in this pandemic though is the the human connection and being yes. able to be around people and, and and in the space that they're in just to sort, sort of right? that. I mean it's one thing to, to do it through, you know, sort of a virtual world or, or, or whatnot, but it's a whole different, you know, sort of level of engagement when you're pursuing it around people with people i mean we are social animals That's what we are as human beings right. we, we love the interaction i mean that's how we've survived all these years being able to interact with one another in close proximity so that's the one thing i do miss um about it though
1: absolutely me too like, i mean that's serious i I, w- I was playing my son well i have one too now the oculus uh virtual reality glasses and everything and And it feels so real, but it felt so good to be in there because it made me feel like, okay, I'm somewhere else now, you know, and it's just the point of being somewhere else. And I was actually playing poker with real people in other places. I had no idea, but it's just that connection with other people. It definitely feels good. So although you, you know, everybody needs their time to themselves, and we love our family. We, I still like to socialize with other people and connect with other people. I think yeah. that definitely is something that we all um, need. Um, so let me just ask you, you I know that you said you didn't write this song, but turn off the lights, right? Let me just play that. Um, talk to us about what part you played in this song here. I don't know if you will, probably ain't gonna hear it, but we do when we edit it. <laughs>
2: So some of the music um, that was part of what I did, um, we had actually done a song, a love song before that, or a slow song uh-huh. called "Lovers," and we kind of based that off of uh, a group called the Floaters, and they had the song called "Float On." Okay. And so yes. we wanted to be different, you know, back look. Back then in hip hop, it was really important to stand out, to be different, to not be a biter, right? That was the term it was called. You can't everybody else you gotta be unique gotta have your own group gotta do your own thing so we sort of came up with an idea okay well what can what can make us different from the groups out here let's do a slow record and we did a record called lovers and um you know it was um it was actually a song that got us played on fm stations which was unique back then because a lot of fm stations did not play hip-hop music particularly rap and that got us it opened a lot of doors for us got us on tours with R&B groups and all that crazy stuff you know ready for the world uh, more Day in the time and all that okay uh, so so that that was so the the second song um turn off the lights was sort of uh, an extension of that of that record as well so some of the music that was in uh, uh turn off the lights uh was was music that I had, that I had composed
0: now, nice. When you when you speak of biting now, back then, and you hear music today, because almost everything you hear today sounds the, the same. same. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how, how, when you listen to it, do you do you? Well, how does that? How do you see that now? When you when you compare back, because today is no more. It's no originality. It's just they just. Everybody comes in and they just all could do it, you they know? They
1: want to all sound like somebody else. And most of the time, they don't get a chance to even get on or get the opportunity because they don't sound like somebody else. As, like, before, it was like, nah, you sound like this person. We already got somebody that sounds like that.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Listen, uh, originality to me is is so important. Um, however, you know, listen, to be real and to be honest, um, copying has gone on since the beginning of time in terms of music, right? There was a term, uh, called, there's a term called fifth noting, where artists, even from back in the day, would take a song, listen to it, and they would sort of fifth note or change the bass, the last note of a bass line or a couple of notes on the melody and or change just enough of it to get away with that song not being an exact carbon copy. All right. yeah, yeah. All right. So that's been happening. but today is way different it's it's literally blatantly just kind of like taking an entire song and the beat the melody the music everything and and just kind of you know repurposing it to where it's like okay no originality or taking a, a an app or a package that is just free kind of packaged music and dropping some lyrics or whatever on it to say that oh this is original it's not really original it's 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 just kind of formulaic, and uh, um, I mean, that's why I was going back to the whole thing about you know learning your craft, honing your craft, and and pursuing it as as real as a real art form versus just going, oh I can make money off of this let me hurry up and slap some stuff together it's right. kind of disingenuous
0: absolutely yeah, i i think the biggest problem with that is, is if you're going to you're going to take somebody's whole thing at least pay homage to them to say hey this is where it came from you know so a lot of a lot of the people that do it today don't do that they just like oh this is mine and they for, actually forget the person who actually did it
1: straight plagiarism
2: <laughs> yeah no you're right and there's a lack of integrity there i mean yeah. as, as as a researcher as a phd student all the writing that i'm doing it's extremely important that if I get information from somewhere, I have to credit that person. I got to cite that reference, right? I got to tell time. you where I got it from. You know, that idea is not mine. It's not original to me. I'm only using that source material, right? So you're right. I agree 100%. Man, if you're, if you're, if you're copying somebody, at least give them credit for. it. Or at least put them you know, put them on the 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 publishing. Give them their publishing. You know, um don't just take their stuff and, and don't just steal it and not not give them credit for it. It's just
1: jacking way. it, jacking it. They just jacking yeah. it.
2: <laughs>
1: so um all right so we covered, you know, talking about your music, you as a DJ, you in the industry, you as a um well we did touch also on you producing as well um and you write in a book tell everyone where they can get your book from again and where uh, people can go to support you and everything you have going on
2: sure so you know i'm i'm pretty big right now on instagram you know in terms of you know usage of it so they can go there at dj underscore cli underscore n underscore tel and oh. I have to make that distinction because as we determined there's a few other clienteles out there after the fact um but you are they, the
1: original so they are the ones that have, you know <laughs> they need to cite that they need to say i got it from you you know what mm-hmm.
2: i'm saying my, my man already had this name but i'm just you know i'm just you know yeah they need to do that <laughs> um, the book is available at uh amazon uh, dj clientele the autobiography essays and writings also at Barnes and Nobles, they can get it on their website, on the Barnes and Nobles website as well. Um, it's it's being used in some of the colleges and universities around the country. Nice. And source material for, you know, their music and hip-hop classes. And uh, they can also get it my website, cli com they can get it there as well, uh, although I would encourage them to go through either Amazon or Barnes & Nobles because it's actually, it's not cheaper in terms of the, con- the consumer, but it's actually cheaper, it's actually better for me if they go through those services as opposed to going through my publisher or the the, the person I have the actual publishing deal with, because they take a little bit more money out than Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles does. So,
1: right, yeah, okay. right, okay, all right. Um, don't forget the other book because we can't forget that that's still a good book we should put yeah, out there and promote. Yeah, yeah. So oh, let's, the let's speaks.
2: Speaks. and they speaks. can get that at Yeah, the speaks,
1: speaks, speaks, and that's a children's book. And that was your first book, correct? And, and they the can spe- get
2: that they're a group of, of, of characters that, uh, again, like I said, they're marginalized characters that, um, you know, have a and value.
1: All right. Okay. And you as a DJ and your music and production can be found? The music? Yes.
2: Absolutely. So so um I mean a lot of the stuff is available uh that I've done over the years various platforms of course, you know, Spotify and um Apple Music and and all of those different places. But um I am I do have a sort of a SoundCloud account where what I'm basically doing with that is a lot of experimental stuff um, because, again, you know, I like to operate in many different genres of music, not just the rap and hip hop world, although that's like my priority. That's my first, first love. Okay. You know, I love hip hop. But then, you know, we do some EDM stuff, we do some electro stuff. Oh, nice. Um, we, we have another group <clears throat> called, uh, it's a long name, um, it's Cosmic Microwave background radiation that's the name of the group
1: oh that's a long name that's a long say that again
2: <laughs> microwave background radiation and uh, our cmbr and we do a lot of uh, experimental kind of stuff uh, okay. a lot of ethereal music and, and even some pop stuff so you know it's, it's just different things we're doing um we're actually i actually just finished a project with um little easy e easy e son uh, Ninety-five, who is one of the most sought-after guitarists in rock, um, uh, Rachel Boland from Skid Row, Ryan Cook from uh, Kiss, and uh, oh, wow. okay. co-produced by uh, Krista Glove, who works a lot with Dr. Dre, and we we did a song um, for a major sort of event that uh, that's being worked on called Change. So uh, we did that, but then, like I said, we you know. We, we do all kinds of stuff, man. It's, it's not just, uh, we don't just hold it down since the uh, hip hop world. Uh, Although like right. I said, Love. If,
0: if I'm right, you spent time in Japan too?
2: Yeah. Music? yeah, 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 we worked on music over there. Uh, we did some things for uh, uh, VAP and EMI uh, over there. And then also some of the music you hear in some of those DDR machines, we, we produce some of that music, the Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, tracks you know that you know you go to the arcade and you see people dancing or you hear them on music videos or you see them in the you know the games and stuff like that we've done some of that music too as well
1: okay yeah i hear that that's where the real money is in them games, you know, <laughs> the big licenses and stuff right
2: you cannot be a one-trick pony. you got to diversify and find other opportunities and areas to 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 work to be sustainable
1: that's right that's right now this is my last question for you dj clientele can you tell me what is your favorite? What is the your favorite project that you worked on? And do you have a
2: favorite? Uh, that's sort the of thing. I, everything I've done, I like it. I know that's sort of a, 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 a cop out answer, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but the reality is, yeah, I, because I try to put, you know, my, my I'm one hundred percent in everything I do, whether other people appreciate it or not. You know, that's a different story, but. Um, I try to make sure that everything that I do that goes out, coming from me, coming from my soul, is is something that uh, I, you know, I've given my all and, and did my best at. Um, And then whatever else happens after that is, you know, it is what it is.
1: All right. All right. Okay. Well, that's what I'm talking about. So every day, all of them
2: is a favorite. That's what yeah, I'm talking okay. about. <laughs> but you know, I I loved working with with uh, different people over the years. Okay. And I would say my most formative time or, or funnest time where it really just wasn't about the business was the early, early days, world-class wrecking crew, Dr. Uh, Fred, I, DJ Yella, Lonzo, Cube, all those guys, you know, working on stuff with them when it wasn't about just about the money. Dude. That pressure wasn't there, you know, but uh, it was it was about the fun, you know. So that's, I would say that was one of the most funnest times for me
1: okay all right then well listen we want to thank you so much for coming on to the show big shout out to the west side Um, big shout out to you thank you for all that you do thank you for being a teacher and an educator and educating us also through music I think that's just so dope and you can touch many different um, age brackets you know what I'm saying when you do it like that you can touch so many people which is really good and needed. So, yeah. please again tell
2: us. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. just listen, man. Shout out to the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Rocky Bucano, Curtis Blow, uh Conzo, all those guys over there, man, that are putting together this museum in the Bronx, birthplace yeah. of hip hop, where it's going to be happening, man. And and you know um, we've been you know proud. I've been proud to work on that uh, project for the last five years you know, with, with my, like I said, my East Coast brothers and sisters, man, and, and put that together. Something for hip hop, something for the culture, where we can preserve the history of the culture and for generations to come. But anyway, right. I just wanted to shout out to them too, man, for what they, for everything that they're doing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um... It's a blessing to be able to have that and for for a hip-hop museum to be able to come. And that's his stuff ground. He's from the Bronx, so (laughs) I know he's totally excited about that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so, again, we want to thank you. Um, And and please give your social medias again and tell people if they want to reach you, how they can find you.
2: So, like I said, yeah, the best place to hit me is on Instagram. That's DJ underscore, C-L-I underscore N underscore T-E-L. DM me, you know whatnot. Um, Facebook, I kind of, you know, I'm there and hit and miss, but like I said, Instagram is 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 really where if you want to reach out, you know that kind of thing. And uh, of course, you know my website, cli-n-tel.com, you know there as well. So yeah, man, it's all it's all good. All love.
1: All right. right. Well, listen, guys, we're about to be out, and we want to thank you for tuning in to From the Ground Up Productions. It's your girl, Lady Miz, my co host, Ray, and we want to thank you, DJ Clientel, for coming on the show. And we look forward to seeing you again, brother. You have a good night.
2: You too. Thanks for having me. Y'all take care. All
1: right. Peace. From the Ground Up Productions is introducing our new segment, Tea of the Week.
3: This is from the Ground Up Productions. The Tea for the Week by Boss Lady. If you got it, drink it. We need this because we have some current events going on this week. Let me tell y'all. Let's start, we're gonna start local with the seven-year-old in Newburgh, New York that was brought to St. Luke's Hospital, unresponsive and later died. Later information came out that he had shackle marks on his ankle and starvation. Listen, we have to look out for our kids. That boy was seven years old. We've been in quarantine for, let's say, a year. Nobody's seen this child in all this time. She didn't have the baby during Corona, so that baby was six years old. Somebody had to know or see that this child was missing. we It takes a village, people. We need to protect our kids. Make a phone call, nobody's gonna know. You haven't seen a child in months and in... Make a phone call, that's all it takes. Let's look out for our kids. Second, let's talk about Bashir Gray. Y'all remember him, yes, from the Empire show. It got canceled, but y'all remember him. He was really good. He got arrested for kidnapping his girlfriend and keeping her in the house. Listen, what's going on? This Corona has people losing their minds. They are off their meds, OK? And let me tell you, money don't mean nothing, OK? He had all the money. And w- where he at right now? Kidnapping his wife, keeping it in the house. Now nah, he in the jail. Not good people. Money doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. It's what's here that matters. What's in your heart? Are you a good person? All right. That money's not going to change you. Money means nothing. Now let's move on to this Ohio man. He shot three little boys in Ohio while his girlfriend, 23, went out to run some errands. (sighs) Again with the kids, I just can't take it. We are hurting these kids and it is just worldwide. We don't even know what's happening in Middletown, New York. I'm sure we have some out here that we haven't seen because of this corona It's affecting everybody. This man shot three kids, little boys, while his girlfriend was away. And mental, people are off their meds. We have no idea what was going on. But we need to watch our kids. What else we need to do? Females, watch who you're bringing around your kids. Stop bringing every man in your house around your children. You don't know these people. You just want a a companion because you're lonely. You have your kids enjoy your kids stop running to a man that you know nothing about and then are just brokenhearted because now your kids are gone there's one kid that is fighting in the hospital right now so we are sending our condolences our prayers positive vibes and energy to that family in ohio for that young man to survive next on the news we have a supreme court is trying to come into our houses, y'all, and take our guns without warrants. Now, before, they had to have a reason. You know, like if they saw you, if they was walking by and they saw you in your window with a gun shooting as pointed at someone, they have reason to come in and see what's going on. We understand that. But what we don't understand is how y'all just going to try to come in our house and take our guns without a warrant? No, I haven't broken any laws. I can legally own a gun, so y'all cannot um, destroy my amendment rights and take my weapons that I use to protect my family and my property. What do y'all think about that? I don't think that's cool. I think we need to let them know we're not having that. We're not having it, Especially behind Breonna Taylor getting killed in her own home. We're not having that. And they're still persecuting her boyfriend who just was trying to protect herself. Let's get into some more tea. Now, allegedly, Cardi B stole a beat from a producer in the 845. Now, who thinks that Cardi B was stealing a beat from somebody? What do y'all think? Take a listen.
1: So, I already seen not only one artist, I seen like
0: four already, like, oh, Cardi,
1: copy my beat. Cardi came out with this song. Uh-huh.
0: And my man's recorded a track here, and it's literally the same joint. Like, I put them side to side. I play both of them, you're going to see the same joint.
3: y'all think about that? Hmm. Tell me, I need some feedback. Let's talk about this for a minute. Now, I want to wish everybody a happy born day. Okay, please enjoy your days. You made it. Enjoy it. Brianna Kim. Happy birthday, baby. Don't forget Monday is President's Day. So the kids are off of school. Some of us are off for of work. So enjoy that time. Please, everybody, remain, be safe, six feet. I know we wanna go out and we wanna party and we wanna see our family and friends and we wanna hug, cause you know boss they love to hug. I'm with the hug, mm, I'm with it. But right now I gotta hold back with that right now. I just gotta hold, hug my daughter. Come here, Mariah, gotta hug you. Okay? So hug your loved ones that's living with you right now. Soon, we'll be back to normal people and it will get better. It will get better. Well, this is Boss Lady, and I'll see you next week with some more tea for the week.
0: From the